interact with reading. There is no anchor procedure for that. And with the email, Those that are uh, fresh, new fresh, Lord, uh, 
lift them up to you. Also, uh, we ask that you heal those that have issues to heal. Just give you bread. All of the Why? What are the things that aggravate us most? 
hard things, the things that we do, the same things that we do. You know, you need to have the authoritarian leadership to do as I say, not as I do, rather than the example leadership of following me. And so, uh, those who judge others are also guilty. Here you go. Let me back up one of these words. That was, uh, those who judge their fathers are guilty of the same. Matthew 23, 29, 30. Well, what happened in the day of our society? What's happening in the United States? Don't we have a whole bunch of people running around and condemning people for the actions of their forefathers? They call it today, they call it council, uh, council culture. I mean, they're taking down statues all across the statues of people who served in this United States, whether it was on one side or the other, they still served. Here's the great example. Richland University, Richland Virginia, the name off of a building that came today. And the heirs of the family have sued Richmond University for $1 billion because that cost of the bill is to pay. Since we took the name off, pay us back our money that we can And so there, there's all kinds of cans and words that being offered. But you can't help them. You want to be judged. Uh, those who judge others, judge others, condemn themselves. Uh, those who judge others are also guilty. Jonah 8, uh, verse 7 through 10. David condemned himself when he judged. Think about that. In 2 Samuel uh, 12, 5 and 7. Do you laugh? He condemned himself. Those who judge others commit the same thing. The wicked speak against others while doing the same. What's going on in our capital today? They're calling out people for breaking the law or being something when actually they're perpetrators of it. Let me just lay it out before us. That's in Psalm uh, 50, verses 16 to 20. The guilty see the sins of others, but not their own. Go ahead, Robert. There, that's a good segue into this. Um, there is in the first chapter of Romans a bunch of depravity. I mean, he is laying down these, and he calls them the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness, the ungodly people, and these people that are decadent that are doing so many things wrong. That's in chapter 1. So now Paul shifts to chapter 2. And you just named it as the righteous, God's righteous judgment. And he begins to lay out a case. He's beginning to put down that judgment. Judgment here is not yours. Although he doesn't say it quite that way. Paul is laying down the characteristics. See, this, again, goes back to those hierarchy of social status. These people were living a life of, of we're, we're accomplished. Not like those depraved people over here. 
We are achieved people. We have social status. Remember that part of the first that we went into? And so now, they, these people have what? The authority? The right? To judge these people over here? For what? They looked at them and they could not see and look at their own sins. And, and he's going to go right into the case against the Jewish people. That is going to come a little bit later. Yeah, I'm not, okay. I'm not going here. Right. So what I'm saying is, to get the overall global picture of this, Paul is going to make the case against the Jewish people first, then the Gentiles. But he's saying here, and if you look at this, it says, you! And he said, all along here, they knew they had this. They always now be saying you yep. is singular. You people that make this judgment call against all these people. Lord, they know that they're sinners. They know they're depraved. They know they need God. Maybe. Question mark. By the way, he'll make another case about the law. The law. The law. The Gentiles never had the law. They never saw the law. They never knew the law. So are they exempt? No. And the reason why they're not exempt is because in all of this, they're without excuse. Why? Because they have human consciousness. They know better. They all know better. And Paul gets it straight on. You, you judge these people. And you judge yourself because you're doing the same thing. He says, you know. You know what you're guilty of. So the historical part is the social status somehow is giving them the right, uh, incorrectly, to judge other people and to make these judgment calls. And Paul's calling the entire world out for this. The guilty, Stephen Stephen, the other, but not their old state, Matthew, uh, chapter 7, verse 3, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, now, here's the picture. Now, I want you to understand it. To, you know, we're still in verse 1. We are to judge ourselves so we will not be judged. First Corinthians 11, 31. If we judge ourselves, how are we going to point our fingers at somebody else? Hang up. What we can do is come alongside them and, and help them eradicate that. Uh, and so, it all comes back to us, remember? If you bring your, your, your offering to the altar, and you have a problem with your brother, you go make it right and come back and offer your offering. If you bring your offering to the altar, and your brother has a problem with you, you go make it right, and then come back and offer your offering. It's your responsibility. To make the situation right. It's your responsibility. It's not somebody else's because the only person that you can control is you. So that's where it's come from. You know, we're judging ourselves. So if we're judging ourselves, you know, you know, you know there's an old cliche. If you take care of your own business, you won't have time to mind mine. Well, that, that's kind of what we got going on here. If you're looking after your own self and you're judging your own self, you won't have time to judge somebody else. Uh, those who are judged will be judged according to the truth. And, and verse 2 it says, we can be sure that God will judge. There's no doubt about it. God is going to judge. 
He is going to judge every human being on the earth. Yeah, he's going to, and it's going to be, and that's the first thing they tell us. It's the truth. It's the truth. Well, God will judge those who walk in pride. That goes all the way back to Daniel 4.37. God will bring his justice to life. That's the Bible, 3.5. I mean, he, we're laying it out here. God will judge the world in righteousness. In righteousness. Acts 17.31. God will judge the living and the dead. Not only He's going to judge the living, but He's going to judge the dead too. Second uh, Timothy four one. God is the righteous judge of both good and evil. Second Timothy four eight. God is the judge who stands before the door. James five nine. God will judge in the day of wrath, Romans 2, 5, which we ain't quite got there yet. We ain't got a verse 5 yet. He's going to judge in the day of wrath. And here's the other thing you need to understand. There's a lot of things that are going on today that people think they can get away with. And it, it's being played out severely in our country. And the children in our, in our country are, are susceptible to it. Uh, if you go back to Genesis, God says He made them male and female in His image. He made them. So here's what I'm going to tell you, and I'm probably going to get burned up for it, but I don't care. It's the truth of God. There are only two genders from time immemorial to today, male and female. Period. There ain't no wishies, there ain't no wishies, there ain't no wannabes, couldbees, amen, might be, I don't know. There ain't none. There ain't none. Males have certain body parts, females have certain body parts, period. You can dress up, you can change, you can cut them off and fill them up and do whatever you want to do with them. But when you die, your DNA is going to either be male or female. There's a lot of double deviance going on today. People are being confused on purpose. And as long as you remember, there's only supposed to be a marriage between one woman and one man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It is designed for the man and the woman to become one flesh. So if you're being married and you got 42 wives, you are breaking and sinning against God. From, from the very beginning. How many wives did Adam have? One. One. That's all we're supposed to have. That's what God ordained. Now that being said, that God is going to judge in the day of wrath. Romans 2.5 He's going to judge by righteousness. And we're all going to stand. Go ahead. The day of wrath. This is, right. This is, and, and it is right. God is the one who has the right to judge. And the day of wrath is down the road. It's at the end of the age. It's when, as Jesus said, He separates the tares from the wheat. But remember now, that as Paul's laying this case out, 
He's going to hit the Jewish people right between the eyes. He's going to, in the background, he's setting this up to go against the Jewish law and about all the things that they've justified themselves to judge others from. And so he's getting ready to do that. But in this process, Paul has not forgotten one thing, and we shouldn't either. The Jewish people, Israel, brought us the monotheistic God. And he's talking to the pagans in the page before this. The pagans who did not know the monotheist. Now they've forgotten the monotheist. They've given it up for idols. Remember, the pagan world now is sitting in front of Paul. And so they've given it up. But Paul, Paul hasn't forgotten this either. That it was from the Jews, and you'll see, you'll hear it here. First from the Jews, and then, and then the Gentiles. He sets the precedence here. And not only that, but there, he has brought an answer here that's going to be lingering in the background. And that's Christ himself. Christ is this answer. And he came from the Jewish people. There's a lot of anti-Semitic uh, content in here that a lot of people get out of whack when they go to write papers and say, oh, Paul is the most anti-Semitic person here. He has this anti-Semitic sentiment against the Jewish people. Look at this. And especially, they point to John. And John also <coughs> has some of it. But no, what it's saying here, what it's saying, and Paul's making a case. Everybody, everybody, get this right. The Jews had the law. It was the idea that God wanted, what? Righteousness. That's what we're talking about. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. So it's drilling down on whose righteousness? Here, I got this. Yeah, right. Go for it. Go. <coughs> Go. Okay. We can be sure that God will judge according to truth. God will judge with righteousness. Romans 9.14. Everybody knows that God's going to judge with righteousness, but here's what they forget. God will be the right good. And that's called 94, uh, 94 and, and 79. Uh, chapter 9 of Psalm, uh, verse 4 and 79. God will judge the world with righteousness and truth. Psalm 96, 13. God will judge the people with righteousness and quality. Psalm 98, 9. And what he's saying here is, you're going to get what you deserve or you're not. I mean, if you get condemned to death and tossed in the lake of fire, you got exactly what you deserve. If you get called a sinner to death and bored and a mother and sister, you have been shown grace and mercy. You've accepted and believed what Christ has said. That's something you didn't deserve. And uh, he says, whoever, whoever, call upon my name, shall be saved. There's only one name under the heaven whereby man is saved, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. Period. Period. You can't be saved by Buddha. You can't be saved by Charlemagne. You can't be saved by Muhammad. You can't be saved by Allah. You can't be saved by... Uh, one of the Hindu 570 gods they got, you can't. Zoister, any of them. There's only one name under heaven by which man is saved, and that's Jesus Christ. And if we put it right, that is Jesus the Christ. 
And so that, that's where we're at. God will judge the world of righteousness and truth. Go ahead. I just want to interject on top of that. It's two. It's God of truth. God of truth. Psalm 31. If you go to Psalm 31, um, uh, 5, and it says, into, let's see, 30, 31, 5, in, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O God, the God of truth. But only two places in the scripture. That's interesting. Paul brings out this thing. It's Isaiah 65. 16, which says, Whosoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the God of truth. Two places. God isn't normally spoke of as being a God of truth, except those two places. And, and Jesus said he was truth and he was truth? Grace. He goes, and grace. Thank you. Grace. We remember that, you know. So it's the harshness of the law of the truth. Only one person know <coughs> that. Anyway, I just want to know you're you're good. Good. the truth is is the first thing Paul hit on. And so those two things. The, the the one thing that I want you to remember is when I started doing the second uh, the second word. You know, you can be sure that God will. You can be sure that God will good. You can be sure that God. Uh, you can be sure that God will judge according to truth. And this next one here, you can be sure that God will judge the guilty. God is the one who will be who will judge his people. Uh, Hebrews 10 30. Uh, God will judge people according to their ways, Ezekiel 18 30. God is the one who will judge those who do evil. First Peter uh, 4 5. God is the one who will judge all unbelievers. Revelation 19, 11 through 15. God is a judge. He's the righteous judge. He's the only one who can judge. You know, man uh, with a hard heart will be judged. Men who judge others accept uh, or expect to escape themselves in, in, in verse 3. <coughs> in verse 3. Uh, and do you think that old man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the thing that you will escape the judgment of God? I mean, he's telling the prayer. I mean, it doesn't get any pointer than that. Man, do you think in a godly way? People look for evil in others. We do. Second Samuel 10, verses 1 through 3. Men think that they are entitled to judge others. Think about this. Somebody ever done you wrong? No matter what it is. Whether it's a book, a lid, a pencil, or whatever it is. Has anybody ever done you wrong? Of course they have. Do you think you have the right to, to, to give them back? Sure we do. That's nature. Sure we do. I'm going to make them pay this money that I have to pay. In fact, I'm going to make them hurt more so they won't mess with me no more. Well, uh, people always look out for their own interest. That's what we do. We look out for our own interest. Luke 12, 13, and 14. Men think that they can do things they judge in others. That's happening today. 
We have lawmakers who say that they can do what they want to, but expect and hold up to a different thing. It's happening today. It's been happening since the beginning of the fall. What did he thought? There's nothing new under the sun. It's all bad. There's nothing new. All this has been going on. Uh, people will be judged and they judge others. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Men think that they can escape the judgment of God. God says that the wicked will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16, 5. Who wrote Proverbs? Zedekiah felt that he would not be judged when he broke his oath. Ezekiel 17, verse 18. Men will not escape who neglect the salvation provided by God. We ought to pack through that on the door outside. Or stencil, is a better word. We ought to stencil. Men will not escape who neglect the salvation provided by God. Hebrews 2 3. God has provided the salvation. Let me talk about it a second ago, or a few minutes ago, about. There's only one name by which men are saved. There's only one way to do that. You've got to repent. You've got to believe. You've got to have faith. <coughs> and for by faith you are healed. Men who judge do not accept the goodness of God. Verse 4. Men who judge do not accept the goodness of God. God wants to show His mercy to everyone. Romans 11, 32, and 33. He wants to show His mercy to everyone. Not everyone will believe. Not everyone will accept. But He's got it out there. Men who judge do not accept the forbearance of God. God provided salvation because of His forbearance. Because of his love. Because he loved his creation. He provided salvation for Romans 3 25. Something that we could not do because we're born of the flesh. Flesh and flesh. Man who judged did not accept the long suffering of God. God is long suffering to those who deserve judgment. Romans 9 22. And go ahead, I think that, that, is, that is a key point. That yeah. is, you can get me revved up on that because what, what here, here it is is the richness of God, this forbearance, this patience in, in the NIV. Yeah. And so realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Do we give somebody a chance to make the change in life? Do we give them? Or do we have to smack them with the judgment of what they're doing a long, long time. Give them a lifetime to figure this out. God does. And let them repent. Let them change. Let them get the doctrines in shape for themselves. Let them get their head around this. Let them read this for themselves. Stick it in their heart. Don't jam it down their throat. It'll never make it to their heart. These people have got God weighing in on them for the longest time we've tried to reach that young generation and now <laughs> God's showing us out. 
He's reaching down and he's he's saying, and these young people are saying, we got this. We're hearing it. We're come and enjoy it with us. Don't don't tell us how to do it. God's telling us how to do it. Just enjoy it with us. We want to be part of it. For the first time, they want to be part of. They want the old people to be with them. They want look. There's degrees and differences and frequencies of sin and the extent of the sins and the degree of the sins. But we're all, according to Paul and according to the scriptures and according to Jesus Christ, that He died for us, we're all guilty of the little bitty one or the big, big, huge one. We all uh, are without excuse. We're, we're dead. We're dead. We're dead in our sins. We're dead. Now, now God is going to make us alive. Paul's going to make a huge case here, and he's he's got me excited. Yeah. You know, uh, men need to see their need for repentance. God said, Christ offered repentance to all people. Luke 19, verses 5 through 10. God is long suffering so that men can come to repent. Second Peter 3 9. Now I'm going to back up in verse 4. Verse 4 says it all when you put it together. God wants to show his mercy to all people. God provides salvation because of his patience and forbearance and grace and mercy. God long suffering. To those who deserve the judgment. He doesn't want to judge everyone. He doesn't want people to go to hell because it wasn't designed for people. Men need to see their need for repentance. God said Christ offered repentance to the people, to all people. Luke 19, 5 and 10. Long is, uh, God is long suffering so that men can come to repentance. Right here it is. This is why it's taken so long. This is what happened. This is why it didn't come. This is the gospel compressed into one verse in Romans. It tells you everything you need to know. That right there is theology at its simplest, most basic point. God didn't, God showed his mercy to all people. God provided salvation because of his forbearance. Because of his hate, because of his love of his creation. God is long suffering to those who deserve benefit. Look at it. He's been long suffering for over 2,000 years for his bread and his sin and his brother and his world. We're almost at the day where we're Sodom and Gomorrah. We're almost there. And look how long suffering. Well, people have this. this this understanding that well, since he hasn't done anything in the last 2,023 years, it's over. Oh, he ain't He must be a joke. You people are, are superstitious. You're archaic. None of this makes sense. It doesn't matter. And then you get here that God is long suffering. God sent Christ to all repentance to all people, not just these and those and this one and maybe all people. God is long-suffering so that men can come to repent. He's long-suffering. He had to close the door to the ark. Think about this. Think about this. When God shut the ark and the water started pouring out, those people that were outside, they went to high ground. All the other animals that were not on the ark were at high ground. 
People were grabbing a hold of things trying to ride out. Other people were in boats because they were closer to the, to the coast. You know, we hear about where this was, but there were people that had boats. They were traveling in boats. That's how, that's how he knew how to build a boat. And their boat sank for two reasons. They were not right. And they weren't prepared. All they had to do was repent. And they would have been on the ark with Noah and his family. He judged them. He gave 120 years for them to turn around in their ways that they laughed at. He built in this great big boat out here in the middle of the desert. It ain't even never rain. They didn't know what rain was. When that door closed, they found out not only what rain was, but what a gully water created. Remember the fountains of the deep. Yeah, the fountains, they were busting up out of the ground. And you run up on top of a hill, and you're standing on the top of that hill because the tiger up. Well, there's lions, tigers, and bears up there. They have done found them above that. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Think about it. And then if you have a Blow it off in the ocean. Well, what about the sharks and the stuff that eat the crabs and all that stuff? They're eating too. Those animals survive. <laughs> and so, you know, it, God's judgment. God's judgment is perfect. It's perfect. It's stood, it stood on three things, according to, I think, Meyer is the one that, yeah, Meyer said that judgment here stood based on three divine standards. One was truth, and it's a divine truth. The second one, uh, and, and that was in verses 2 to 4 that we just read. And now in partiality, 5 to 11, and after that, Jesus Christ himself is later on in this, and that truth will be based on him. Uh, this divine truth of judgment here uh, is multifaceted. It's, it's Paul has got to go back to both the Jew and the Gentile, and he's got to explain to them separately. He's not pitting them one against the other. You're better. You're worse. Uh, we can't forget that the Jews brought us the one true God. You put them all in the same boat, but they're all in the same uh, condition. Condition. Yeah. Uh, verse five. But in accordance. With your hardened and your uh, impotent heart, you are uh, triggering up with of wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So they they got to count. They got to make count. And, and that those counts are being filled. It says, "Men who judge do so from a hard heart." Uh, and the men with a hard heart faced the wrath of God. And they disregarded their own sin. Yeah. Yeah. And they gave themselves immunity. God oh, might not be in this world, but you're going to read what you thought. Isaiah 311, where that comes from. God searches the heart and gives to every person according to his way. It's not just your out, outside character, it's your heart. It's your motivation. It's the motives of the way you act and why you act. It's those things that's going to be good. Because he's looking at the heart. He's not just looking at the exterior. Uh, 
God searches the heart and gives to every person according to his way. Jeremiah 17, 10. Uh, men with an impotent heart will face the wrath of God. You know what an impotent heart is? It's a heart that is unfilled. It's incapable of having compassion. It's incapable of loving. God calls men to repent or they will be ruined. Ezekiel 18.30 People are going to die. People have already died in their sin. And one day they're going to be raised up and they're going to give an answer for it. Men with a sinful heart are not preparing for the judgment of God. They're not. I mean, think about it. Look at all the sinful men that we have going on today and elected officials that we have that are corrupt. They'll tell you right in your face, there ain't no God. But then throw a TV camera and they say, well, I'm this and I'm that. But their actions bear them out to be liars. And so, here's where we're at. You, know, <coughs> you might lie to uh, You might lie in public, but you cannot lie to God. Men with a, simple, with a simple heart are not prepared for the judgment of God. God will reward all people according to their work. Matthew 16. 26 and 27. These verses we're talking about right here, if you have any questions, these should be these should be driving people to their knees. Or they should be having people scream out for salvation because God is going to judge them. God will judge all people according to their work. Revelation 2012. It's happening. It's coming. It's in the future. You have a appointment to stand before the creator of the universe and give an account for your life. And when you get there, you better hope your name is written in the land book of life. Otherwise, mm, 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 not good. <coughs> so men with a simple heart, I told him about that Men with a men with a simple heart will experience the righteous judgment of God. God will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. First Corinthians 4 5. Whatever you do in the dark, what do you tell them? It's going to be brought to light. It might not be brought here, but it's going to be brought there. And not only is God going to see it, but everybody else is going to see it too. God says that we will reap what we sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. We're going to reap it. Do you repent? Have you repented? Have you asked God for forgiveness? Is your name written on the Lamb's Book of Life? Is your name it up there in His Book of Works? What does your name look like after salvation? What does your name look like? Remember now, you're going to stand up there as a child of God. You're going to be clothed in white. And they're going to break your work and they're going to put it in a furnace. And hopefully when it gets through, there's something to lay the feet of Jesus. Good, good way to put it. Yeah. That's it. Very good, very good. Because this opens up. I think we need to spend some time here next time because Paul is Paul is Paul saying uh, works theology. Is he saying here, if you read this, that those who do works, uh, there's a well. Eternity is mentioned in this verse. Is there salvation associated with it? No, no. Paul is making a case here. We cannot take this out of context and say, well, I'm good. I can do good works, and therefore, and by the way, 
the Jewish people collectively today do good works for salvation. They still have it wrong because they need Christ. Remember, the truth here, the divine truth, is truth of God. Uh, and the second one is this read it. It is um, and the third one is Jesus Christ. But I forget what the second one was right now. But, but the whole point is in this God is is going to have to have you understand the entire gospel message before Paul can put this whole thing together. But his distinction here in Romans 2 is to say uh, the depravity that I talked about in Romans 1 and the the immoral people that know they're immoral that live like that oh, hold on a minute the rest of you also have failed to stop judging because God is a judge and when you put this all together there is going to be a place for Jesus Christ to save you. You can't do it yourself, so stop. But he says, he says there, uh, in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life to those. But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth, it's serious. They reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So that's kind of a works theology thing. And some people pull this out as a works theology. We need to cover that and really, really see what justifies us. Again, this is a justification chapter. Alright, first off, an infinite heart. An infinite heart and a heart that is refused the salvation of the blood of God through Jesus Christ. Alright? And then it says, it up wrath. When a person rejects the salvation that is offered by God, they're triggering up wrath. When they reject Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and reject and re- continue to cling to their sin, they're building up wrath. The mighty, awful judgment of God. And then the, and then it, uh, the day of wrath and judgment. Uh, here's what's going to happen. The day of wrath is going to come. And that's when God is going to He's going to take care of the devil. He's going to take care of all that. And then the judgment. And when these people who have despised, it says, uh, let's see, what refers to the final judgment of wicked man uh, that comes at the great white throne at the end of the millennium. That's what they're going to, they're going to stand before the great white throne of judgment. And then my little non-theological thing where they put them in a capsule, feed them all, them off in the lake of fire, you hear a big splash and tree mowing. Ah. You know, that doesn't mean that's what a vision I have. Uh, it's not biblical, but it's, just, it's a way for me to understand how these people are going to line up there. Uh, and so, uh, that's one ride you don't want to take. But so what you need to do is, uh, verse 4, Tells you everything you need to know about theology of Christ and why it's that way it is. Verse 5 tells you the penalty of rejecting verse 4. 
They're tied that close together. You have the gospel in four, and you have the penalty in five for revoking. I mean, Paul is laying out here. You can't get much better than this. You want the gospel and, and, and the results of not receiving the gospel and the word of God? Right here, two words. Take somebody to Romans chapter uh, 2, verses uh, 4 and 5. You know, they said take them down the Roman road, just right here, get them started. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. But these two verses right here, throw them up and them up there. Have them read And then have them tell you what they think. And then you help them understand what's going on here. You know, uh, what's happening. And so you tell them what forbearance is. Patience. Hey, Patience. What do we not have? Patience. What do I not have? I'm not patient at all. Eternal patience. And his plan is going according to his will now. There's never been a day from the time this earth was created until this day where God was not in control. Now, does that mean that he's involved in every aspect of every person's life? No. It does not. Could he be? Absolutely. Does he know everything that everybody's doing? Yes, he does. Not only does he know what they're doing, he knows what they're thinking, and he knows why they're thinking. And it takes time to come yep. up with It says that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. In other words, it seems like um, people want to make a judgment call and say, this is the way it is. And not give someone the opportunity to not get one of these. Instead, get a chance just for you to show the same kindness that God is showing here that leads them to the realization, oh, I've already read the scriptures and now I see I, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to make that change. And that's repentance. It's a 180 degree turn and follow Christ. Um, I love the little picture of the fishes that are all swimming in one direction in the chosen uh, series of season three. And then one will turn around and it's blue now. It's completely changed. It's going against the stream. It's going the other way. And then the other, another one will follow it suddenly. And then a bigger one will finally give it up and, and follow the little one. And, and that's what it is. It, and they're all doing it at different times in their situation, their life. And so repentance is continual too, by the way. You, you finally read a, you know, a scripture and you say, oh my goodness, where have I been? You said that too many times. Where have I been? And you wake up and you change. And it's a good thing. And it, you know it's a good thing. You feel good. You feel good inside because, yeah, it's hard to give up some things. But all of a sudden, you don't need it anymore. You do not care about it anymore. It's a bad thing. Now you've got something good to replace it here. Think about the milestone in your life that you came from. Yeah. I floundered for a long time because I had nobody to guide me. You know, when I finally hit it, decided to, to get after it for lack of a better term. Look, 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 look at the thing that's happening. You can look back, I can look back across my life. I can see where his hand was upon me, protecting me. I can see where I was protected 
way more than I deserve. Uh, I was either a little late getting somewhere or a little early leave for something bad happened. You know, I would I, I like to tell this one you know, when we were, I don't know, probably 11, 12 years old, uh, we lived in the bottom. And uh, Sunrise Mountain is on the east side of the valley in Las Vegas. Dallas Air Force Base is at the base of Sunrise Mountain in North Las Vegas. And we used to ride our bicycles up, you know, across the right end of the flight line and out to the, but it was a gunnery range. And they would do fire demonstrations once a year, you know, and everybody was just filming what you, M4s and F-111s and all these other jets that drop bombs and shoot bullets into the thing. And we'd climb up there, not when that was going on, but we'd climb up there, you know, spend a day messing around in the mountains and so we were on our way back and we found a, uh, a 20 millimeter cannon around the hidden wall. We didn't know that. So we put it in our back pocket, man. We took turns sliding down the mountain with it and beating and banging. And we get home, get on the bike, and get moved right down the bike, down the road on the bike, but it thought it hit the table. You know, and then we got up and we picked it up, put it in our back pocket, and we went over, we get to the house, park our bike, in there, and walk up there, and look what we found. Well, my dad, called the next door neighbor. The next door neighbor was an EOD guy. He comes over and sees it. Next thing you know, man, we got all kind of they evacuating houses. They got this big blue truck, you know, with the Air Force thing. They had a big blue truck pull up. They had a big barrel on the back. They put that thing in it. They locked all that thing down. And they turned around and they're going out there. The speed bump that we spot, we go boom inside that barrel. God was watching it. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, he had a plan. My number wasn't up. You know, it's time for me to grow and do, and, uh, and I'll be growing and doing until he calls me home. And that, that's the fact. And the great promise that we have from a believer that in our, in our salvation and our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the disciples, he told them they were going to do great things. So he said, how blessed are those who have not seen them yet believe. We haven't seen but yet we believe. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Any questions, any comments? Romans is a great book. It's a great book. There's no more but no more in prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this message. This Bible study. We thank you that this book is going to be replete with us sharing the gospel, with us being able to give a defense uh, of you. And the reason we have faith in you, Lord, I ask you to bless us as we travel home, or keep us safe and bring us back to the